This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Amen. What a great time in worship before the Lord. Isn't it great to come in and encounter God's presence? How many know that God is already here and that he's walking through the rows? He's walking through our lives. And I don't know about you, but I believe that when we come to church, we come with a great expectation that God is going to do a mighty work in our lives. Amen. So Lord, we thank you, amen. What's my honor to be with you? I'm Pastor Steven. I've been around CLC for about 11 years. I'm involved in uh, the executive leadership team here at CLC. I oversee our campuses. I'm also the campus pastor of our Coral Springs campus. And it's my pleasure to be here on behalf of Pastor Tom. We just have phenomenal pastoral leadership. Can we give God some praise, amen? Pastor, if you're watching online, we wanna encourage you to go back to your vacation, amen? We are so thankful for their lives. They have such an apostolic call, a heart of revival on their life. And there's no doubt we're seeing the fruit of their own missional ministry here at CLC. But I love it's not just compacted or connected to 2699 alone, but we're in four different campuses. We're in the Cayman Islands. God's opening the door to Jamaica and the Caribbean. And listen, guys, God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine, amen? I believe, though, that's not their call alone. That's our call to walk with them and support them in this vision. So, Pastor, we honor you. We love you. We pray your safety. He'll be back here next week. God is going to do some great things. We're starting this brand new series with a title called Fearless, Standing Firm Till the End. We want to look at the end times experiences and the end times events and ask ourselves the question, how do we fearlessly stand in these difficult and desperate times. But before we jump into this word, would you just join me with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit just begin to illuminate our hearts and minds to open his word so that revelation would be seated in our lives and that we would walk out transformed, amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we praise you. We thank you that there is no one like you, God. Your presence is in our midst. We thank you for our pastors. We pray, God, their safety and pray that they have this amazing time and join with one another God, for their return in in safety. Lord, we just thank you that you are here, that you are moving in our midst, Lord, that the people of God are hungry to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that we would walk out, God, having been transformed, God, through the renewing of our mind. We thank you, God. Let us just be open to your word, God. Open the eyes of our heart and help us to see what we don't see. Help us to live the way you want us to live, God. Help us to be, like we say every week, the people in the church you've called us to be, to be messengers of hope, God, that take a message of hope, God, everywhere we go, to everyone we meet, in Jesus' name. Can we give God some praise, amen? Hallelujah. I want to encourage you as we jump into this end times series, I want to encourage you to be here every week. God is going to be layering different revelations about the ends of the, the end times. And, and, and I want to encourage you, it's going to get better and better each week. You don't want to miss it. Do you know that in these days and in these times, there is a deep fascination with the world end time events? 
In fact, in a 2014 Reuters poll, it was found that almost a quarter of Americans and one-seventh of people in the world expect to see the end of the world in our lifetime. That's kind of pretty crazy. I don't know about you, but when you go on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, however you get your media news these days, how many know it's really hard not to see all of those events and then you begin to scratch your head and you're going, you know what? God, these events, unfortunately, are eerily aligning to what, what we're reading in scripture. Come on now. How many sense it and how many feel it that it feels like the end of the times are very close, that Jesus Christ could be here in any moment? Come on now. Raise your hand. Give me a clap. Amen. Let me know you're here in the house. See, the word of God gives us prophecy. And out of the many verses the scripture gives us, 31,124 verses to be exact, did you know that 8,352 of those verses are dedicated to prophecy? A 27% of the entire canon of scripture, the the corpus of scripture, the body of scripture, the 66 books, 27% of them are connected to biblical prophecy. Now the question is for you and I, What does prophecy mean for you and I? How do we live in light of it? Is it just for information? Does God give us prophecy simply to go in through the timetables and schedules and say, okay, I believe God is coming back in this year or that year? I mean, I don't know about you, but we've seen the foolishness over many years. Remember the old book in 1988 that there would be 88 reasons God would come back in 1988? How many remember that book perhaps? Maybe if you remember in the Y2K events, remember it was 1999 and you were wondering if you were around this world, remember nobody had an understanding what would happen when the counters turned to zero, right? Nobody wanted to jump in an airplane because they were literally telling us, right? If we were to get up into an airplane and start flying around, it's possible that when the clock turns at midnight on 2000, that that plane may be coming down. Come on now. The 9-11 events, the COVID events, the Ukraine experiences, there seems to be signs of the times. People are getting aggressive. People are getting angry. People are getting mean. I mean, come on now. The world is calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. Come on now. We're living in desperate, difficult times. Amen. We're asking simple questions of what is a male? What is a female? I would never have imagined that that would be a question in our society. But the reality is we are living in desperate times, difficult times, times which we sense and which we know as believers are signs of the times that Jesus Christ's return is imminent. So the purpose of prophecy isn't simply for information, but it's about revelation. It's about learning to live in light of Christ's return. We don't want to have to simply chart it out. We want to ask ourselves, Lord, how do I prepare for that return when you come? Jesus says it this way in Matthew 24, 36 through 34. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. That's Jesus, right? But the Father alone. For as were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware. I want you to underline that, circle that, make that an important aspect. Jesus is comparing that when he flooded the world, they were caught unaware. 
He says it's going to be a similar event when he returns. That when he comes, he's going to come quickly. He's going to come in a way that nobody expects. It's going to be fast. And most in this day, in this age, will be unaware of when Jesus comes. It says right here, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, Jesus said, therefore, it means this is what I want you to take a moment and focus on. This important word, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house been broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus is saying there's going to be a time and a place when his will return will be alarming. It will be quick. And so he gives us a couple suggestions here. We need to stay aware. We need to stay awake and we need to be ready. Come on now. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to be ready. We got to be ready. Amen. I truly believe this and hear me, right? Too many who study the end times only do so to be informed of what is to come. They may have a theology that God is going to zap them from this earth, that the trials are not going to be a part of their experiences, and that there's no need to have to worry to endure because God is just going to come before all that difficult stuff happens. But when we read in Revelation, there are tribulations that do take place that even Christians will have to endure. But then there's wrath and the wrath that is there to endure. And so we're going to unpack that in the days to come. But the key question is, when the signs of times increase and the darkness continues to increase and with more severity, we experience pain and frequency, more pain. Let me tell you, we've got to learn how to live fearlessly. We have to learn how to live fearlessly and not let our faith get rocked by the difficulties of the world around us. I don't know about you, but I learned over the last few years of COVID that when people face difficulty, faith can be rocked and you saw people walk away from God. Come on now. How many of you know personally in your family, maybe friendships, people that walked away that were in your life groups, in your ministry teams, people we don't see on the pews today because they allowed a COVID experience to completely rock their faith. Let me tell you what is to come will make COVID look like a joke. It will make COVID look like a joke. I'll show you how difficult it will be. And the reality is, even when the times of wrath come, it says in Revelation that people will run to the mountains and beg God for the mountains to crush them because they do not want to leave the caves. That's pretty intense. Come on now. But this is what Jesus wants us to know. Jesus wants us to learn how to live fearlessly in these end days. We don't have to survive the days. God has called us to thrive in these days. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. He's given us the power of love and a sound mind. He's given us his spirit. We're going to unpack that in a little bit. Like David, we have to realize that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that no matter what happens in our day and our time, God is still in charge. Amen. Can we give God some praise? So these prophecies are here as signposts 
to remind you that God is doing a work in and through society and in this world. And so as you look at these signposts, you remind yourself, okay, God, this isn't coming in an unexpected way. I've read it in your word. I put my life on your word. And Lord, I want to learn how to live a life of the prophetic as I live out fearlessly for you. So we have to learn how to prepare for these seasons. Jesus says it this way in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you. We want you, these things to you, that in me you will have peace. In this world, you're gonna have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is so important for you and I. Some of you are right now going through some very difficult seasons of your life. And you're wondering, God, are you in control? Where are you in my suffering? We talked about that in the last series, but it's important to remind you that God is present in the stormy seasons of our life. God is still sovereign. He's got everything in control. We have to have a peace that doesn't come from the absence of problems. We have to have a peace that's in the presence of the problems because God's presence is with us. Can we give God some praise? Amen. So it's his presence that gives me peace, not the lack of problems, amen? You might have the world blowing up around you and you're wondering, God, can you take all these things away? Even if he doesn't take those problems or trials or tribulations away, Jesus is still with you in that place. Like David said, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're there with me, amen? Jesus is the God of the mountaintops, but he's also the God of my valleys. I wanna encourage someone right now that may be going through a valley period that God is with you in that valley. Amen. Every mountaintop must have a valley as we travel it. And so Lord, teach us how to rely upon you when trials become difficult. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit here and I want to talk to you as a pastor. I want to talk to you. We have worked with so many different people, thousands of people over the last 11 years at CLC, Pastor Tom's been close to 11 years here. I can't believe it. And our, our, our ministry has been running here for 30 plus with Pastor Max. We've seen as pastors, all of our pastoral staff, we've had conversations with many of you. But the reality is on closed doors, behind doors, we are concerned about your soul. We are concerned that we are not living fearlessly in light of Christ's return. Many of us are walking in fear rather than being fearless. Many of us are walking in anxieties. Many of us are not walking as victors, but we're walking as victims. And I want to encourage you, God has not given you that victim mentality. Amen? God has called us to be conquerors. Amen? We have the Spirit of God dwelling in our life. And what I want to encourage you with this is this. If we don't know how to endure in the present times... When life is actually easiest right now for the church, what happens when the flames get turned up? What happens when the tribulations begin to happen? How will your faith happen when COVID types of experiences come around again and it's even greater and it's even bigger and it's taking out personal family members? Many of you had maybe lost personal family members, but it begins to take out a lot more. Are you going to trust God? Is your faith going to be able to hold on the anchor of Christ Jesus? Or is it going to drift because of fear? See, church, what I want to encourage you to do over this next series is really ask yourself the question, how do I become fearless? How do I live under the authority of God and the power of God, under the spirit of God, despite the circumstances and the seasons, and I learn to be a light for Jesus Christ? My faith isn't rocked in trial or tribulation. In fact, it does the opposite. It's encouraged and strengthened. 
I don't know about you, but that's the difference between a mature believer and an immature believer. Mature believers experience discipline and grow through it. Immature believers go through discipline and it basically crushes them. And I want us to be encouraged that it is time to be fearless. Could we say that together? It's time to be fearless, amen? It's time to be the people of God, amen? It's time to activate a fearless faith. It's, in, it's, it's, it's time to be fearless in our stand for God, fearless in holiness, fearless in the, the fire of God, fearless in our, our, living out our divine destiny, fearless in embracing the season that God has planted us, fearless in posturing ourselves to sit on the front row of the greatest event of human history, to see Jesus possibly come back in our lifetime. How cool is that? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in the second hour, amen? And sometimes we, come on, you've had a little bit more time to sleep and amen. I need some amens. You gotta talk to me, amen? Come on now, I'm talking to a bloody of believers. I will have to go down harder and I'll preach a little bit longer if you're not giving me some amens. So I need some amens here, amen? Amen. So it's time to be fearless. Touch your neighbor, fearless. Come on now, fearless. See, God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen? 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power, say power, of love and self-control, amen? Power, love, and self-control. I've got the power of God dwelling on me. I've got the love of God as a child of God, amen? And I have self-control because I have the mind of Christ to be able to discern the times and the seasons and situations and to know what is of God and what's of the enemy. Come on now. So if a church can operate without any fear of the enemy, come on now, and I believe that's how the enemy attacks us. If he can get you to fear, he'll completely remove God's divine destiny off your plan and life. He'll destroy your destiny. But we have to say, you know what, Satan, I'm not threatened. I'm not fearful of your devices. I'm aware of your devices. I know that you have weapons that will not prosper in my life. They may be formed, but they never prosper, amen? So greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, amen? So our strength comes from the presence of God. Especially as Pentecostals, we're baptized in the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God upon our life. I love it when I think about David. David, remember, when he got on the battlefield with Goliath, he went out on that battlefield, and he was a shrimp. We know he was a small kind of kid, and we typically say, hey, listen, David, he went up against this Goliath. But let me tell you, the reason why David could go out in confidence is because he knew he was not going on that battlefield alone. He knew it wasn't his skill alone, but that God was with him and that God was on him and that God would direct that rock right into the cranium, come on now, of Goliath. So many of us look at the story and go, how did this little boy come against this big giant? It's because David knew that there was a greater giant on the battlefield. Come on now. Am I talking to someone right now? So if you're on a battlefield right now and you wonder why the enemy's doing what he's doing, he is fighting for his life, church. He knows that God is with you. And when God is for you, nothing can be against you, amen? That is victory, that is power, that is more than a conquering spirit, amen? But I believe the church is stuck and confined in a state of fear. We're afraid to share our faith. We're afraid to do this. We're afraid to do that. We're afraid to offend somebody. Come on now. Why is it that every other viewpoint in the world is able to come out in boldness on what they believe, but we feel like we can't say what we want to do because we're afraid to offend somebody? Come on now. The gross is offensive to those who are perishing. Paul said that, 1 Corinthians 1.18, not my notes, 
but that's a bonus, amen? Some people will not receive your word. That's okay, you keep on pitching it, you keep on planting it, you keep on watering it, and let the Spirit of God do a work inside of them. I believe too many are hiding within the four walls of our churches, and they're afraid to go out into the world and to minister. Too many of us have become religious in our thinking, and we think that somehow church is going to just simply be a part of what our mandate is, and hopefully one day the Spirit of God will drive some cars into our parking lot. We've lost our mandate, church. Come on now. Uh, Too many of us have tried to preserve a life of comfort at the expense of our mission. We have the tendency of each of us to avoid the inconvenience of discomfort and view suffering as an enemy of blessing. Even some of us are acting like apocalyptic preppers. Come on, have you ever seen that show like Doomsday Preppers? Come on now. Christians are out there buying on Christian television entire stockpiles of food. They're buying guns and ammo, and they're buying remote land and remote places. Is that what Jesus had in mind in terms of how we would prepare to come into the end days? Absolutely not. I'm not against prepping, but I'm not against, I'm against prepping at the expense of spiritual preparation. Listen, I, I, I'm not against you preparing a family that if something happens, I understand that. But I think many of us are not spiritually prepped for when the season gets turned on and the heat begins to increase, I honestly don't think many of us will survive. And the reality is we have to learn to endure into the end. We can't have a fearful mindset anymore. We can't have a a, a victim mindset. We need a victorious mindset. We need to stop believing that Christianity is a guarantee that life is supposed to be easy. Do you think that Jesus actually died for people to have more comfort in their life? No, Jesus died to to help people escape from the pits of hell. It's messy business, it's dirty business, it's spiritual wickedness, it's darkness you're having to come against, it's the demonic you're having to go against, it's, it's generational issues that are coming through. This is not easy peasy, come to church, do as little as possible, and kind of wait till Jesus calls me home. That is not faithfulness, that's laziness, and there's a big difference. I'm here to kind of make an uncomfortable church comfortable, or am I here to make a comfortable church uncomfortable? Come on now. Let me say it this way. A comfortable church will never be a missional church. A comfortable church, whenever we're comfortable and we don't put ourselves out there, will never be missional. See, Jesus wants to disrupt the comforts. We find comfort in him. I'm not against that. The word of God's there, right? He brings comfort to those that need comfort. But it doesn't mean that Jesus simply died for me to hang around and think that church is simply the old end up mandate of what we're supposed to do. No, our mandate is to a lost and dying world. Our mandate is to be messengers of hope, to take a message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. It's to experience God, connect together, grow and serve and impact our world for Christ Jesus. It's about making that experience that we saw in the baptism waters to see 58 people baptized and give their life to Jesus. The vision of God is here in this house. We give you these opportunities. We want to encourage you to step in these opportunities because we are a missional church. We serve missionaries as pastors. Let me be honest here. That anointing that's upon them has been given to us. You cannot be a revival church and a missional church with an apostolic call and not roll up your sleeves and say, okay, God, I'm ready for the harvest work that you have for us. Amen? If you want a comfortable church, there's a lot of them around, and they'll never ask you to do anything. But we need everyone activated here on mission. Can we give God some praise? Amen? 
So how do we live fearlessly in the last days? It all begins with the hope of God's promised return. I want you to write this down. Fearless living is fearless in hope. Fearless living is fearless in hope. In hope of what? In the hope that Jesus will return. Jesus gives us the promise that despite what we're experiencing, he is coming soon. Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't that give us a hope for the challenges that we go through? You may say, I've had years of addiction. I've had years of disappointment. I've had years of this and years of that. Let me tell you, God makes sense of all of that when I put it in light that Jesus is coming to deal with what I've had to go through. Isn't that amazing with God? He doesn't leave any loose end untied. He comes to bring wholeness and healing and restoration. Let me tell you, the first time he came, he came as a baby. Could you imagine how cool it will be when he comes on the big white horse? Faithful and true, he's coming with the host of heavens and he's about to bring war upon the world and upon wickedness. It's gonna come this time to judge. John 14, one through three says this, and this is the promise The promise that you and I can take to the bank. It's the hope that you and I stand for. Let not your hearts be troubled, he says. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what have I told you? That I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, hallelujah, and will take you to myself, where that where I am, you may be also. Revelation twenty two twelve says, behold, I'm coming soon. Isn't that amazing? Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense. That is, he's got rewards that he's bringing to every faithful follower of Christ Jesus to repay each one for what he has done. Jesus is giving us the key ingredient to fearless living. And that ingredient is, I start with putting my hope in Christ Jesus. If Jesus said it, he's going to complete it. If Jesus said it, he's going to do it. Amen. And when Jesus says, I'm coming again, or I'm coming soon, we have to believe that. And we got to begin to anchor that and begin to establish that in our heart of hearts. Amen. James says it this way in James 5, 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And the thing is, what happened with so many that drifted away during COVID or when they go through trial or tribulation or difficulty, they lose their job, they lose their spouse, they lose a child, something painful is experienced in their life. Many times people use those experiences as excuses and legitimizations to go out and walk away from the faith. We need to be secure so far in our life and so deep that if those things do come and they are a part of life, church, come on now, that my life and my faith is not rocked. In fact, it's deepened in those times. Come on now. I don't know about you, but when the storms come, I want to anchor my life deeper to the faith. Amen. I don't want to let my life go out and just say, God, I'm offended at you. I'm frustrated at you. I'm going to go live my life because you didn't protect me. Jesus said the trials and tribulations would come, but take peace, I've overcome the world. So here's what we have to do. We've got to learn to establish our hearts in light that Jesus is coming to deal with the world at hand. 
Second Peter 3, 1 through 4 says this, and it's a warning. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring you up your sincere mind by, one, by a way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord's Savior through your apostles, knowing that, first of all, that scoffers, these are people who mock you for your faith, People who are not faithful, they will say to you in the last days, scoffing with their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing, continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Which means many in the last days will mock you for your faith. It's already beginning. Come on now. You bring up Jesus in any conversation, I guarantee you, with a group of people, there's one or two in that group that's going to make you look like a clown. I'm okay with that, amen? I'm okay with that. I'm not offended by that. They don't know. They don't know at all, but that's my purpose. My purpose is to help them know, praise the Lord. So why does it matter that we have these prophecies and why does it matter that we anchor our life in the hope of God and his return? It's because hope gives you purpose. Let me say this, and I've experienced this. When you lose hope, you lose the will to live. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a moment where maybe you've been wondering, God, is there anything more to life? You've had some experiences in your life and you really take a moment and you go, God, I just feel hopeless right now. And sometimes thoughts, crazy thoughts can come on in and you're, you're thinking about the craziest stuff. Have you been there? Come on now. Okay, just a few of you, just maybe me up here on stage. For the rest of the real people in here, we've gone through some difficulties, right? And you lose maybe even your will to live. This is what causes you to even become suicidal or think, God, I want to take my own life. But this is what I want to encourage you. If we have hope and our hope is in Jesus Christ, think about how our life is changed in light of it. It changes what you say. It changes what you do. It changes how you give. It changes how you serve. It changes the directions and the decisions you make. It, it, it changes the conversations you have with the lost. Think about it. When we have hope, it actually radically changes every fiber of your being and every decision you make with your life. It's because Jesus is your anchor. He is your hope. And so a fearless living hope in Christ is what begins this. Secondly, we've got to learn to be fearless in trials. Fearless in trials. I want to give you a list of Jesus' signs of the days. I'm going to prove to you that these signs are unfolding before us. I'm going to tell you it's going to get pretty difficult. It's going to get a little bit hairy right now, okay? But I want us to be encouraged that Jesus is giving us the key of how to understand it and how to survive the trials, how to live through these trials and not let our faith be rocked, amen? Matthew 24, 3 through 13 says this, And he, that's Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must also take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise upon nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, 
and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let me repeat that again. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let that be our prayer, Lord. Help me endure to the end because I want to be saved. I don't want these trials to sidetrack me off my commitment and my love of Christ Jesus. I don't want to allow the world to deconstruct my faith with evidence that is counter to God's word and believe them and the false prophets and the false antichrists and not hold true to God's word. God's word has to be my final word, amen? I've got to learn to stand on him and be fearless in trials. I think many of us want to avoid trial and tribulation and pain and suffering. Many of us have theologies that we're hoping that somehow God will zap us out before these things happen. But Jesus is very clear that if many will be taken because they carry the name of Jesus and be put to death, it does mean that your life as in Christ will be a threat to your physical life. And the reality is we're going to have to learn how to endure. If it's a question standing before a court, do you stand and believe in Jesus? And if you do, we will kill you. It's very possible. We live in a world, in other places of the world I visited, if you mention Jesus, they will immediately arrest you, even without a court, and throw you or lock you up in prison. The Asian church, the Indian church, the persecuted church is everywhere. More are being persecuted in this century alone than all centuries in all history. And so Jesus explains that the signs of the times, and I want to lead your attention to verse 8. He says right here, the signs of the times will be compared to a woman in birth. And I don't know, Let just humor me for a second. I am not, a, a, just a little disclaimer, I'm not a woman, so I don't know about birth pains, right? My wife is here, and she is six months pregnant, amen? Can we give God some praise? Many of you know, there's my Olivia, she's my first, first child, two is there, but we have a boy on the way. I've got two girls and one boy, praise the Lord. Now we're shutting the factory down, praise the Lord. God is good. But what she tells me in these days is, oh, it hurts. It's getting harder. Oh, he, he's kicking me at night. He's, he's awakening me, right? right? Come on, no, you know ladies that have, have had children. It is not easy, right? Jesus says that the end of time will be like a pregnant mother. And what we know about birth pains is this, they increase in severity and they also increase in frequency. Right, You might have some morning sickness in the first few days, and you might get a little tummy sickness, but by like 39 weeks, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm in pain, contractions, get me to the hospital, right? I, I don't want to cross her in those last couple of weeks. You know what I'm talking about, right? It, it's hard. And so scripture has given us the idea that when the signs of the times come, like birth pains, these signs are going to become more severe and more frequent. It's very, very important. Now let's look at signs of the times. The first sign we see is the sign of false antichrists and false spirituality and people growing with false religions. I believe we're more spiritual than ever. We're just not spiritually connected to Jesus Christ. 
the new age movements, the vibrations movements, putting things out to the atmosphere, right? All the false religions. We've got crystals. We got different things. I mean, we are very, very spiritual. Come on now. In fact, half of our movies in Hollywood are supernatural related. But the reality is they just don't want to have anything connected to Jesus. Let's just put it in other realms. And so we have an increase of false antichrists, an increase of false religion, an increase of false, in a sense, strange fire. The second sign you'll see is war. Say war. War is interesting because Jesus says you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. How many know that wars are increasing in our day and age? Come on now. I'm going to give you some proof here. Historically, as I was doing some research on this, did you know that prior to Christ, there was approximately 70 known wars from Jesus and earlier that's on our historical record? Up to 1000 AD, we know that there was 50 more wars. From 1000 AD to 1500 AD, there was actually another 100 more wars. And from eight, sorry, 1500 AD to 1800 AD, there was 200 more wars. And in the last 200 years, did you know that we have had on record 500 wars? Wars are increasing. Let me tell you that when we get into Revelation 6, I'm going to give you a statistic that's absolutely shocking. It says in Revelation 6 that when the wrath of God is poured out, the death toll from wars alone will be 25% of the human population. Now, let me give you some math here. For those who like math, right? 10 billion people presently live in the world right now. 10 billion people. If we lost 25% of those 10 billion people, that's 2.5 billion people due to death. Now, give you an idea. Let's put this in scope right now with, with, with COVID. Did you know COVID only killed 6 million? Think about that. Let that settle in. COVID brought 6 million deaths. What do you think is going to happen when we have 2.5 billion deaths? COVID is a joke. Got silent in here. Come on now. What do you think is going to happen if people, right, people walked away from the faith? completely because they knew about some people or the challenges of the season, right, over a virus. What happens when holding on to your life seems impossible and people on the left and right of you are dying? You can't bury them fast enough. That's the reality that's coming. I know this is hard, right? In famines and pestilence, come on now, this is the third sign. We are seeing famines. I don't know if you've looked at the news, but they're saying that the entire southwest of the U.S., I'm just going to focus on the U.S. right now, within two years, seven states that are supplied by the Colorado River, right, from the snow melt that comes from the Rockies, right, because there's been no snow because of the warming, uh, you know, pattern that's happened in our world, right, because we haven't had enough snow and that snow is not coming off the mountains and the Colorado River, seven states will be without water in two years. Two years. They're already talking about it. Scientists are talking about how can they build a tunnel or some kind of pipeline from the Mississippi River, which is literally, you know, way on the east side of the U.S., and get it all the way west to California. We also know that that water supply is also supplying energy to those seven states, right? Because it's hydropower. So imagine all the farmland of the West, no food, 
no water, no electricity. It's going to get crazy. That's two years. Like pregnancy, the birth pains are increasing. Right now, and I'm not trying to scare us, but the reality is we're about to step into a recession. Interest rates are on the rise. Come on now. So many young families right now are not able to buy a house. The cost of living is increasing. Come on now. It's hard. I mean, we were even talking to those that were preparing as a baby. It's impossible to get baby formula. Come on now. Remember the paper epidemic from the toilet paper that happened? What happens when people start stockpiling all kinds of things? And I go to the grocery stores, and because the farmlands have been shut down, and there's no water, and there's no trucking, and the cost of moving things are very difficult, we are literally starving. This is some reality stuff here that's happening. We're going to see more viruses. We're going to see more killer viruses like COVID. It's going to happen. Now, here's the point is we're not supposed to be walking in fear, but we have to learn how to be fearless in these trials. Amen. My peace can't be tied to being in these seasons. My peace has to be tied to God in these moments. Amen. The fourth sign we see is earthquakes. Do you know that there are over 500,000 earthquakes in the world every year? How many cities are planted on fault lines? All of LA. Come on now. I'm like, I don't know if I want to live in LA right now. There's no water. There's no electricity. The farmland's dry. You can do all this research. Google away. Don't do it now. Listen to the word. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to awaken us to the importance that like signposts, guys, we got to pay attention and our government is not the healing support. So don't be thinking I got to run to the polls and bring in the right guy or the right female or the right person and they're going to fix this all. No, this is already determined according to God's timetable. Come on now. In Revelation 16, there is going to be a global earthquake that is so large. Revelation 16 says that every mountain will be brought low and every valley will be raised up. Just think about that for a moment. Every mountaintop that you see, the 14,000s, the 20,000s, the Everests, the K2s, all the big mountains in the world dropped and every valley be brought low. That is a cataclysmic earthquake. What we see in our world will not be What's there? And I'm hoping we are out and hallelujah, God has moved it. That is the wrath period, by the way. Pastor Tom's going to unpack that a little bit more. The fifth sign we see is the persecution of Christians. We said it a little bit earlier, more have died for their faith, through their faith in this century than all the centuries combined. Sixth sign, falling away and the love of many will go cold. People are becoming lukewarm. They're not deepening their faith. They're walking away from the faith. So let me say right here, in the end days, you can't say, and I'm going to touch some toes right here, well, maybe I go to church once or twice a month. No, your faith will not be able to sustain you. You have to be in the word daily. You're going to have to be in the presence of God daily. We're going to need each other daily. I guarantee you, right? Amen. We're going to have to care for one another. We're going to use what we know about Jesus and bring a witness to the world around us. Amen. Which leads to our seventh sign. Jesus says this, then the gospel will be preached to the world. I believe this is the most significant and exciting sign of all. One of the things that I've been, uh, as I've studied God's word for many years, I've been powerfully interested in, in scholarship. But for those that are involved in Bible translations, we know that the Bible has not gotten to every nation in the world. We know that many people groups still don't have a copy in their language. 
And so many times missionaries can't go into those nations, obviously, because they don't know the language, nor do they have a Bible in translation. But many scholars are saying that by 2030, according to the current trend of Bible translation, did you know that every spoken language in the earth will have a copy of the Bible? Think how cool that is, amen? Now, does that mean that by 2030, Jesus is coming back? No, it just means that by 2030, we're going to need missionaries who can take that Bible, amen, and go out into those nations and share the good news of Jesus. And so the point here is this. I want to encourage you. The reason of understanding these signs is to deepen our commitment to Christ in these seasons, to really learn how to endure a faith that is going to stand up to the worst. I think many Christians are fair-weather Christians. Many of them want simple times and comfortable times and easy times. But when the times become difficult, in a sense, they say, God, you can't be real, and they step away. I want us to be encouraged to live fearlessly in trials. The third thing that I believe we've got to be is fearless in witness. Fearless in witness. If we're going to endure in the end, it's not enough to simply say, I'm going to hold on the hope of Jesus. I'm going to endure the trials. And I'm just going to sit here and try to throw my life into a little bunker and wait till Jesus comes back. Jesus is inviting you and I in this season. Remember, until the whole world gets preached, then the end will come. Which means that all of us have to learn to be fearless and witness. Now, be honest, how many of you have struggled to share God's news because you're afraid of how people would receive you? We all experience that in some way or another. If I bring up the Jesus thing, it's going to really make it awkward. I feel like I'm proselytizing them. Here's the reality. You are showing them love when you talk about Jesus. Let me tell you, everything else in the world is pushing whatever their belief is on them. And so all you're doing is saying, listen, friend, sister, brother, I love you. Jesus loves you. But this is how God is going to make sense of the world that we live in. This is why we need trials. Because when we have trials, here's what happens. The brightness of our light becomes brighter. Amen? I've always believed this. As the world gets darker, Jesus is going to be brighter in our life. Amen? And we have to learn to be fearless and witness. Revelation 12, 10 through 11. And I want to close with this as I invite the worship team up here. Revelation 12, 10 through 11 says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brothers, that's Satan, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Let me pause here. If you feel constantly condemned and you feel like the enemy's constantly whispering in your ear that you are not good enough, this is exactly what he's been doing to God in heaven. He points out all of our mistakes, and here's what happens, is that guy has been thrown down, praise the Lord. Verse 11 says, and they have conquered him. That's you and I, by the way. By the blood of the lamb, I conquer Satan. By the blood of the lamb, isn't this amazing? And by the word of their testimony. That's my story. How do we become conquerors in the end days? I got the blood and I have the, the testimony of Jesus on my life. Isn't that cool? Blood means I'm favored. Blood means I'm covered. Blood means I've been covered and, and, and protected. I've got his righteousness. Blood means I have the favor of God upon my life and the spirit of God upon my life. But the testimony I have in God is that God is good. 
that my story needs to be shared with somebody. Let me say this. Now, your story isn't what you've done to get to where you are. No, your story is what God did to get you where you are today. Amen? See, the story that talks and makes you become the hero is not a good story. Nobody cares about that. The story that says you were able to make something happen because God did it for you, that's a powerful story. So some of you may go, I I got an addiction in my life. I don't know how to handle that addiction or that challenge. Let me tell you, it's not willpower that will get you through that. It's God's power that enables you to conquer that. Amen? Some of you got fears and anxieties and worries and different things in your life. And you're saying, I literally am gripped in fear. Some of you are sitting at home, still fearful to get out. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So when we are covered in the blood and we have a testimony of God, it's God that makes me strong. It's God that gets the glory. It's God that is my witness. I keep pointing to Jesus, amen? Now, things may not go every way easy for me. I'm not saying that God died for a comfortable life. I said that earlier. A missional church is an uncomfortable church. But a missional church is on fire for God to say, I can't wait to get what I know about Jesus out to the most depressed in our society, the most needing in our society. Imagine if the church could rise up and be agents of change in our world. And viewing, instead of viewing politics and different governments, and listen, the world is always going to do what the world does. The Supreme Court might bring this law in or bring that law out. We saw that this last week. But God's kingdom is not America. Can I say that to somebody here today? Amen. God's kingdom is bigger than America. I wish the blessing of God on God's kingdom, on God's, God's blessing on America. But the reality is it's not God's kingdom. So the more the world goes dark around us, we have to testify to Jesus. Now, here's what happens. Look at this. This is the cool part right here. Let me read it again. 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen to this. For they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their lives even into death which means they witnessed with the jeopardization that their life could be taken away. They witnessed knowing it doesn't matter if they try to take my life. It's God's word that matters, amen? When I read of the early church and many that died for the faith in the season of Nero, remember, and when Nero was was persecuting Christians, You hear story in Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs, if you've ever read it. I want to encourage you to read that because that will be lifeblood in the end days. I'm telling you, for people who have walked through seasons of impossibility, it feels like. And you can read story after story that people were burned to the stake and they were singing in hymns saying, God, they can take my life, but they can't take my spirit. I love you, Lord. People were fed to lions and they were still proclaiming the Lord. Stephen, who was who was stoned to death, kept on pointing people to Jesus. I wonder if we have that kind of faith to endure. Do you have that faith to endure? Would there be enough evidence in a court of law that would convict you to death if you lived a life as a follower of Christ Jesus? It's hard. But Jesus didn't call us to easy. He called us to follow him. 
I wanna invite you to stand up on your feet and I wanna lead you in a moment of prayer. I wanna close with this one question. If Jesus came to you, if Jesus came to you right now and he said, hey, I'm coming back in 30 days, how would you live your life differently? He says, I'm gonna come back in 30 days. Now, we didn't, he doesn't give us the time of the day, so this is just a, we're playing fictitious here. If he's gonna come back in 30 days, and then he says, I want you to save as many people as possible, what would you do? You'd save as many people as possible. Now, the thing is, Jesus actually did that. He said that to the disciples in Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. And lo, I'm with you until the very end of the age. So Jesus is coming back. Are you fearless in the hope of Jesus' return? Are you fearless in trial? And are, are you fearless in witness? Take a moment. I want to lead you in a couple moments of prayer right now. I want us to begin to pray and begin to ask God, strengthen my faith right now across this room, right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, as the days of the end are upon us, God, and we sense the signs of the times, God, we pray right now and we begin to declare right now that like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Lord, I don't wanna live in fear anymore. Take a moment and begin to pray right now and begin to ask God, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with some kind of anxiety, maybe these signs of the times have brought a fear upon you. That is not of God, that is of the enemy. Begin to press that out and begin to say, Lord, I wanna learn how to endure in all seasons and in all times, God. As James said, I want to begin to pray right now and begin to ask God, Lord, establish my heart in you. Begin to pray that right now. I want to hear your voices. Begin to pray right now. Establish my heart, God. Establish my children's heart. Establish my walk in you, Lord Jesus. I will not be swayed to the left or right, God. I will not allow my emotions to dictate the truth of your word, God. I know that you are sovereign. I know that you are in control. I fear not death or the attack of the enemy, God, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Even the weapons that are formed against me, your word says they shall not prosper right now. So I begin to proclaim with faith, God, that what the enemy has meant for harm, God, you have meant for good. Use every season of every sign, every challenge that we can expect to experience, God, as an opportunity to deepen our commitment to you and to let the light of Jesus shine. Just begin to pray that right now. If you know your heart has a tendency to go wayward, you have a fickle heart, begin to ask God, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I need to secure my heart on the rock, the rock which stands firm. No more shifting sand, no more mud, no more sand, but Lord, a rock that when the storms of water rise, God, my house will not be washed away, Lord Jesus. Teach me how to endure. Teach me not to waver, God. Lord, I want to put my power in you, God. My strength in you. Begin to pray that right now, Lord. I don't want to run outside of your presence. I don't want to go where you don't go, God. I need to be found in you, Lord Jesus. I need to remind myself to stay in the word of God. I need to be alarmed with your word, and I need to be armed with your word to trust you in the days to come, Lord Jesus. Help me to be fearless. Take a moment and begin to pray right now. Lord, help me to be fearless. Help me to be fearless, God. Give me strength. Give me courage. Give me boldness. Begin to pray that right now. Give me strength. 
Give me courage. Give me boldness, God. Give me strength, a strength that even in my weaknesses, God, you are there. Give me boldness to stand on what I know is truth, God. Give me courage. Lord, give me courage right now, like Joshua and Caleb, going into the land of giants, going into the land where the Canaanites were, God. They were good grasshoppers, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be of courage. We would trust not in our own strength, but we would trust in the strength of our Lord. So right now, we just begin to pray. God, anchor us. Anchor us. Lord, I don't want those trials to ever push me away. I don't want to be convinced that you're not good in these trials, God. Some of you, I believe in this house right now, you haven't been living and you haven't been following Jesus. Maybe you believe in God, but you don't have a relationship with God. If that's you, I want you to begin to ask God to move into your heart, invite him in as your Lord and Savior, make him Lord and watch the peace that passes understanding come in. Lord, I want to be able to stand firm. I want to be enduring to the end, God. I want to be the people in the church you've called us to be. Jesus. Strengthen us now, Lord. Strengthen us now all across this room. We prophesy, God, strength. Let your power come upon us, God. Let us be missional. Let us seek the lost. Let's join the work of the Father. Let's join the work of the Son. Let's be moved by the power of the Spirit and walk as a people of power in a dark and dying world, we pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise? If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.